Well, hey, Purpose Church, Mark Johnson here from Mercy Road Church, Anderson in Anderson, Indiana. I'm super excited to be able to share with you all today as you all have been going through this incredible series, Jesus on Every Page. And today, man, I think the book of Joshua has something incredible for each and every one of us, particularly in this season that we find ourselves in. So let me jump into it because I want to talk from this idea, get over it. Get over it. I don't know what your it is, but we need to get over it. And let me tell you, getting over things, it's a very difficult challenge. It's very difficult. I mean, it's difficult to get over it, especially like in this playoff season, right? I mean, people were really bummed out. I couldn't imagine the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, man, you not only lose your backup quarterback, but then you lose another uh, fourth-string quarterback. I mean, listen, they had to find a way to get over it. Patrick Mahomes bummed out his ankle, came back and decided, you know what, I'm still going to jump in and fight for my team. Or maybe you could be like LeBron James. I know, Laker fans, that you might be watching, but, I mean, he really acted like a baby when he didn't get that foul call, right? Like, if we're honest, he just couldn't get over it. But the truth is, getting over stuff, it's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. And I don't know what your it is, but I believe that Joshua has something incredible to share with us today as we begin to think about how can we get over the valleys, the deserts, the rivers, the difficult things in our lives. And so, you know, as we think about Jesus being on every page of the Bible, he's definitely present in the book of Joshua. And um, in order for us to jump into it, let's look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. And it reads like this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong. And courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. And I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may be successful wherever wherever you go. Now, I, I want us to think about this because uh, right now, Moses has been the leader, right? Moses was the one that was responsible for bringing Israel uh, out of slavery, out of bondage uh, to the Egyptians. And he's been journeying with them for, for quite some time. And, you know, he's been through the ups, through the downs. 
Um, he's been through the ins and the outs, right? For 40 years, they've been wandering through the desert, and he's been going through the motions with this group of people, and frankly, it's like, like us, right? I mean, God has probably went through the ups and downs with you, with me, right? He's gone through the ins and the outs. He's gone through our wayward ways. Sometimes we're in, sometimes we're out. Sometimes we're obedient, sometimes we're disobedient. And Moses was with them through all of that because he believed in the promise that God had for the people of Israel. Well, guess what? I mean, it was really bummed out because he did all that work. He struggled with them. He worked with them. He he, he knew that they were disobedient at times and he still loved them and still had to lead them. But guess what? He got to the promised land. They almost got to the brink of it and then he dies. I mean, that's rough. I mean, that's difficult, right? I mean, it's difficult because I could only imagine Joshua, who's, who's by the way, he's kind of second in command, right? He's already kind of like in the, in, the, in the good graces of Moses. He's in his cabinet, right? He's one of those people who's, who's like watching Moses and he's learning how to lead. Um, and then all of a sudden Moses dies. And he doesn't get an opportunity to step foot in the promised land that's really been the thing that's kept them uh, motivated. It's the thing that kept them in the fight. It's the thing that kept them believing. But he gets there, and man, he doesn't get a chance to experience it. And in comes this book of Joshua where, where God is like, okay, Joshua, uh, it's your turn. Your turn to lead these people. Your turn uh, to take them into the place that I promised them. And, and this was amazing to me because one of the things that I realized is that God has a way of using what frightens us to free us. That I couldn't imagine what Joshua must have been feeling. But the very thing that the fear or the things that that he had watched Moses had to endure. I mean, dealing with a group of people who who just don't want to listen at times, but you're trying to lead them. And any of you who've ever led anything, you know exactly what that's like. Because everybody has their idea of the way that it should be, of the way that it should go, right? Of the, of the things that they believe that they should be doing. And yet, it's an arduous task to lead anything. And I can only imagine that, that even though Joshua has some precursor conversations that may have even inkling to the fact that he might be the successor to Moses, but the truth is sometimes you're never really ready for leadership. And you've, you've got to be aware of who you are in order for you to lead others. But what happens here, it's amazing because when I think about the way that God uses stuff to, that frightens us to free us, it's incredible. Because God will use the very thing that we're afraid of, the very thing uh, that we struggle with, the very thing that we are, you know, very timid about, we could be sensitive about, right? He'll use that. He'll use that moment and push us into it. And what happens is it begins to free us. It begins to enable us to become the best versions of ourselves. But the truth is, we got to find a way to get over it. And I don't know what your it is, but I can tell you, if it frightens you, on the other side of that frightening, that fear, is freedom. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember a year ago, almost to the day, um, I, I, was, I was frightened because I had actually 
uh, God started answering the prayer that I've been praying for almost seven years. Um, in fact, I had been, been working in ministry for, for, for years, and I felt God calling me to plant a church, and, and it seemed like the, the, the prayer just wasn't getting answered. Uh, I mean, I went and worked at a church, and, and I believed that God was calling me to, and, and, and I went there because the, the senior pastor at the time said, that, hey, I, I'm going to be retiring soon, and I would love for you to be able to succeed me and be my successor. So I thought that that was cool, right? I'm like, man, I finally get an opportunity. I get a chance to build up the young adult ministry, build up the next generation, um, and I could be the leader one day. Well, that didn't quite happen. It didn't quite go down like that. No, it didn't go like that at all. As a matter of fact, you, you know, it kind of got cool. I went there. Things started bubbling. I mean, young adults were exploding. And then um, it seemed like the senior pastor got a second win. As if, uh, yeah, you know what, instead of me retiring in three years, I think I can last as long as I feel like, you know, I can last. <laughs> I'm just going to stick around. And so that door closed. And so God started birthing in me this, this church plant. And I didn't know where it was going. And I was in a foreign land. I was in a place where I, I couldn't imagine, like, how I even ended up in Indiana in the first place. Oh, that's because I'm all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, and I got, I got a, an opportunity to be able to be on the staff at a church, and, and, and I thought God was actually orchestrating something amazing. But then the door shut. And then another opportunity came, and it was, it was great. It was like, man, I'm looking for church planters. I've got money, and I've got people, and I, wanna, I just need church planters who want to lead people. And I thought, man, this is great. This is the opportunity, right? This is the moment that God is going to put me in position of the thing that I've been praying for. And that was like in 2019, and then, bam, pandemic hits. COVID comes, and, and as a result, I mean, we have to adjust, and we have to navigate and begin to think a little differently about where we are, but it also started to halt some plans on church planting. So there I was again, frightened because I felt like the very thing that I had been praying for was not going to happen. But then almost a year ago today, I actually got um, an opportunity uh, from a guy by the name of Josh Hoosman. Some of you may know him, some of you may not. Um, but, but they were actually in the same position of, of wanting to find a church planter to lead a church in Anderson, Indiana, and, and I got the call, but it was almost a year ago today that I came here and actually got offered the opportunity. Let me tell you, I was afraid. I was scared. But I knew that if I didn't push through, I knew that if I didn't go forward with it, then guess what? I would never see the freedom of what God wanted to do with my life and get it on mission so that I can make an impact for the kingdom of God. Who am I talking to today? Because you may actually be afraid of taking that next step, be afraid of stepping into something, but I want you to know that whatever's frightening you, there's freedom on the other side of it. As a matter of fact, that's what Joshua uh, actually was able to figure out. Um, he found that freedom um, because God continued to encourage him. Um, and, and in fact, the first thing that you probably need to do um, that, that Joshua did in this story, the first thing that we need to do in order to get over it is this. We need, check this out, to not live for what's already dead. Don't live for what's already dead. Look at the passage of Scripture. It says, 
that my servant Moses is dead. Now, I want you to catch this because in their custom, in the Jewish tradition, there would have typically been about a 30-day mourning period. That after Moses died, um, scholars, they, they kind of go back and forth as to whether or not God actually came to Joshua with this word <laughs> of, of taking over, of, of, of assuming the leadership. Um, was this 30 days afterwards? Was this as soon as Moses died, he was like, hey, it's time for you to go. And, 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 and we don't know, but, but I, I like to, to think that, you know what, um, God was like, okay, Moses is dead and it's time for you to step in. That, 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 that he'd been running with these people. Moses had been working with these people for 40 years. He dies, and, but God doesn't waste time, right? Don't live for what's already dead. There would have been 30 days of mourning period for this leader and to allow the Israelites an opportunity to grieve and for, the, for them to actually go through the process of, of maybe even finding a new leader, but there was no mention of it. Zero mention of that actually taking place. And so because of that, we get an opportunity to actually see Joshua began to do something incredible. It was clear that that God had already made his mind up. That God already had in his plan that Joshua, who had been around, who had been been sitting alongside Moses, that, that he needed to be the one to step up and take over leadership. Now, Here's what's cool about it. What's cool about it is this. He's calling him, but he's calling him after he's watched his leader die. His leader has died. He's watched him. He's watched him work tirelessly. He's watched him deal with people who are disobedient. And yet, he doesn't even give Joshua an opportunity to really go through the motions of what that actually means. Now, let me say this. This could seem a little insensitive for those of you who are like me, who maybe have lost loved ones. But the truth of the matter is, friends, that whatever we lose down here on earth, it's a gain in heaven, especially for those of us who are believers in Christ. If you're not a believer in Christ and you're checking this out for the first time, hey, maybe this is something that you want to consider. But I want you to know that this is not an insensitive principle. But what it is, it's actually a principle to motivate us to realize that maybe we've been holding on to some dead things. And I don't know what the dead thing is in your life, but I want you to know that that you cannot live your life for things that are dying. You can't continue to wake up every day and and, and to go and to approach relationships and jobs and marriages and, and your spouse in a way when you know that it's dead. So stop living your life for the things that are dead. You know that the relationship is dead. You know that the job is dead. You know that the season that you're in, it's, it's dead. It's, it's over. But you continue to live for it. You wake up every day and you're trying to put energy and time and capacity and mental stress and anguish into it. And I'm trying to figure out why. Because you cannot live for what's already dead. God is saying to us through Joshua, he's saying, look, I know your leader is dead, but listen, I've got an assignment for your life. I've got a mission for your life. I've got a purpose for your life. And I want you to start stepping into the things that might frighten you because I've got something amazing for you on the other side. Who am I talking to today? Because I know that you can get over it, but you've got to stop living for the dead stuff. 
Because what happens is you start walking around with dead weight. And dead weight is nothing more than a burden. It's nothing more than something that challenges you, that, that, that holds you back. It holds you up. You've been wondering why your life has seemingly been stuck in a rut? Maybe, just maybe, you've been living for things that have already died. Maybe you've been holding on to stuff and stuff in your family's history, stuff that, that happened to you when you were a teenager, things that, that, that somebody said to you, a mentor that betrayed you, a friend that stabbed you in the back, a spouse who hurt you. Maybe you've been holding on to something that's been dead for too long. But listen, it doesn't just help us to, to get over that. That we can't live for, for things that have already that, that things that are already dead. But but here's the other thing that I love that this passage teaches us is this that if we want to get over it, we gotta be willing to grind when it's dry. You gotta be willing to grind when it's dry, baby. You gotta be willing to step into some stuff when it's dry. And, and let me let me let me help you see this. See, the promise of God was to give them the land that they stepped foot on. And the picture that he paints is, he says, listen, I want to give you everything from the desert to Lebanon, from, from the desert to the city. And here's the thing. The starting point, though, is that they're actually on the other side of the river. They can see the promised land, so they got to cross the river. Well, here's the good thing. The good thing is we kind of know how God works with the rivers, right? We know, how, we know how they can get through the river, right? He's already parted waters before, so that's not really a big deal. But the bigger deal is they've been wandering around the wilderness in the desert for a long time. And, and for, the, for the most part, they weren't really grinding at all. But it says here that if they want to inherit the land, that they are going to have to go through the desert before they get to the city. But it's everything that they put their foot on that God is going to give them. Man, that's so good. See, the good thing is we know that God can get us over the river. But God can also be with us through the mundane, through that which is dry, through seasons of our lives where we feel like there's no momentum. So if you've been carrying dead weight, if you've been struggling with things that seemingly, uh, you, you know, relationships, that this is dead weight, the stuff that you've been holding, that's the stuff that's been keeping you stuck and it's also been sucking you dry. That the reason why you feel like your life does not have the fruit or, or you don't have the spirit flowing and things are, are moving and happening, maybe, just maybe, you've been stuck in that desert. But see, this passage teaches us that in order for them to get to the promised land, you got to grind when it's dry. You got to be willing to work when it doesn't look like you, you want to work. You got to work when you don't feel like working. You got to do the mundane because sometimes God has us working through the mundane and the mundane provides us purpose. See, I reckon that God told him about the desert to Lebanon because he was saying, listen, you've already been through a desert for almost 40 years. The least that you could do is maybe touch the desert again because you should know how to go through that terrain. It's like, okay, we're going to take you over a river. Well, that's how they got free from Egypt. And then he said, we're going to take you through the desert. Well, they were wandering for 40 years, and now it's like, wow, we got to go back to the desert. But now, every time their foot touches the desert, it's a part of the promise and the land that God has already 
ordained to give them. Here's the thing. God has some things in store for you that will not come when things are going well. But God has some things that you will only get if you're willing to work when it's not popular. To serve when you don't feel like serving. To give when you don't feel like giving. To show up for people when you know it's going to be a sacrifice. To do things and to help people who who don't look like you from different backgrounds and different cultures. For you to become an ally for individuals who can't help themselves. For you to perhaps invite some people to your dinner table to have conversations that make you uncomfortable. That's what it means to grind when it's dry. To do that, when, which is nobody is looking, when nobody is paying attention, when people don't even realize that you've been working in the lab, that you've been serving and you've been giving. God says, listen, when you can grind when it's dry, <laughs> that's when the promises of God become, they become abundant in your life. He says, you got to get through the desert. You, you got to get through the desert. You got to grind when it's dry. And see, here's the thing. You cannot afford to die when it's dry. You got to grind when it's dry. See, I know because there were times in my life when I felt like giving in and giving up and throwing in the towel on this thing called ministry and and really go about my, my life the way that my friends were doing it. I was a college professor for six years. And I had a, an opportunity to become tenured uh, at this school over in Maryland. And, and I, was, I was just at the brink of that. I put in my semesters. I've been teaching seven courses for about four years. And, and, and it was coming up for that. And then I was like, man, I've been, I've been working on this. But I knew that God had called me to so much more. I knew that God had so much more in store for me. And then that opportunity came to come to Indiana. And then I, I, I took on that job that, that seemingly ended up as a dead end. Halfway across the country, I didn't know anybody, no family. I'm newly married. My wife decides to come with me, and guess what? Bam, we land here, and then I'm hitting the brick wall. And God was like, no, you can't die when it's dry. You can't die when it's not going your way. You can't afford to give up now. You can't afford to throw in the towel. No, you have to grind when it's dry. I didn't give up. I ramped up the prayer life. I decided I got to figure out what God is calling me to. And that's what was birthing in me. It was a church planter. He said, you're not the one that's going to be succeeding anything. I want to show you what you're going to be creating. Because God was putting something in me when it was dry. So you should take this moment and think about, God, how can I grind when it's dry, when nobody's looking, when it's not popular, when it's not posted on Instagram, they don't have a video of this on TikTok. No, they're not talking about it on Snapchat either. As a matter of fact, they don't even have a tutorial for it on YouTube, right? So what you need to do is you need to find a way to serve and give because when you grind when it's dry, God has a way of showing you the promised land. And you can get over it. Again, I'll say, I don't know what your it is, but you can get over it. See, because the first thing that Joshua got over was his ego. He had to get over the death of Moses and he had to get over all the stuff that he saw the people doing to Moses and he had to get over all of his emotions at the time and he had to step into something that wasn't comfortable. But then he had to get over the desert. He had to get over the dry spot. He had to get the people from the dry land into the city. 
But third and finally, lest I keep you too long, the third thing, the third way that you can get over it is this, that you can't afford to allow distractions to detour your destiny. You can't allow the distractions to, to detour your destiny. See, th- there, was a, there was an illustrious history of the Israelites being distracted by culture, by selfishness, by religious idolatry and all of the trappings of being free. Not knowing how to always behave and, and move and sometimes having instructions and, and just deciding to do it anyway, to do it their way. And, and, and sometimes when this happens and before, like we judge the Israelites, I, I want us to know that they were the exact replica of you and I. Yeah, they were, they were the exact replica of you and I because, see, see we, we sometimes forget that, that while we have pastors and, and church leaders and people who can pour into us, we still want to do things our way. Right, I mean, I mean, my mom could tell me this way and that way. My dad might give me some instructions that way, but I'm, you know, as soon as I get behind the wheel, I'm gonna still crank that thing to about 80 miles per hour, you know, because because that's that's just our nature. Our nature is to get distracted by our own wants, our own desires, our own selfishness, by by the things that are happening around us, by wanting to fit in with the people or keep up with the neighbors or make sure that our kids go to certain schools and they they play on certain teams. But no, you can't allow distractions to detour your destiny. The text says that, 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 that he said, listen, don't look to the left and don't look to the right. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right, but stay focused. Because if you can stay focused, if you don't get distracted, God has something in store for you. And sometimes we get distracted. And when we get distracted, that, that, that it takes our mind off of the promise that God has designed for our lives. Let me tell you, we all fall prey to distractions. For some of us, the distraction is the pillow. That distraction, the pillow is essentially a, a metaphor for your comfort. That sometimes we're distracted by wanting to be in a comfortable space, in a comfortable season all the time. Sometimes we're distracted by the shiny thing. Well, that's the thing that's like, you know, the notifications on your phone, the ding, the ding, the ding. You got an email, I'm busy, I'm important, I got somewhere to be. You know, that's a distraction. There's a pillow, there's a shiny thing. But then there's just ourselves. And sometimes we just get caught up in comparing ourselves to others. And we can't get over why so, somebody else looks that good. We, we can't get over why they have that car, why they have that home. We, we can't get ourselves over that. And we allow what they have to distract us. And it detours us from our destiny. But today I wanted to encourage you because you can get over it. And I know you can get over it because, because what Joshua had to endure, Joshua had to get over the distraction. He said, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. He said, you got to grind when it's dry because you're going to have to go through the desert to get to the city. He said, listen, I know Moses died, but you have been the one that's been called to do the leadership. You don't have time to spend on things that are already dying. But I want you to know that that same formula it's the same formula that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had to follow. 
that, that this is Joshua in the Old Testament and Jesus shows up right on the page as we look at this passage of verse 1 through 7. How do I know this? Because Jesus came for the living, not for the dead. That Jesus came for those who were living. He said, because if I can come and save those who are living from their sins, that I could give them an opportunity to touch the promises of God. That Jesus was also willing to share the good news that was not popular news. But he said, I know that this is a dry spot for those of you who are widows, those of you who are in this society who don't have enough resources to provide for yourselves, those of you who are part of other cultures that my culture or the religious sect, they don't see you as human or they don't see you as the same or they don't see you as a person that God loves. And Jesus said, I won't allow those things that are dead to take away from what God has called me to, which is the living. He wanted to make sure that each of us had a right to not just live here on earth, but to live eternally. That he said, listen, I, I, I came because I wanted to save humanity so that we could have an opportunity to live forever. So Jesus wasn't only just about the living, but he also told us that he had good news and that good news was not popular news it was news that could have fallen on dry ears because, listen, the religious sects, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they had it on lock. They had the church thing down packed. They had the church business down packed. I mean, they had it ready. They had it packaged up. They had it ready. But guess what? Jesus came and he disrupted it because he said, no, this is dry. This is not what my father intended. I got to give you good news. I got I, I to grind when it's dry. I know it's not popular. I know the Roman government doesn't like it. I know that the religious leaders don't like it. I know that the Canaanites may not like it. I understand that the tax collectors may not like it, but guess what? It's good news. It's not popular news, but it's news that you got to get in a dry season in order for new life to spring forth. Same thing that Joshua had was the same thing that Jesus gave us. And Jesus was willing to share the good news. But Jesus also didn't allow the distractions to detour his destiny. Because, beloved, it was so easy for him to be distracted by fame. Everywhere he went, a multitude showed up. And then the same people who he was blessing, and, and they, they, they were trying to trap him on every end. Religious leaders would come and they would set up these, these, these theological traps. And then, and then you had these other people who, who were trying to set up these other kind of political traps. And then you had these other people who were trying to set up these, these he should not be doing this stuff on the Sabbath, right? These religious traps. I mean, they, they had all these traps, but Jesus didn't allow those distractions to detour him from his destiny. No, he continued to show them love and he continued to show them compassion. He continued to be a man that was about his mission. Jesus was showing us how to get over it. He got over himself. He was God in the flesh. He got over himself. He got over himself by willing to share the good news that wasn't popular. He got over himself. He got over it. But he didn't just get over himself and he didn't just get over certain hurdles. But he ultimately, he got over sin. He got over sin 
when they took him to a hill called Calvary and they, they hung him high, they stretched him wide. He hung his head, he bled, and he died. But I want you to know that that's not how the story ends because three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead and he overcame the death, the grave, and sin for each and every one of us. And the reason why he did that was because Jesus wanted to give us the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to get over it. That Jesus came, he showed us in Joshua as a precursor, but when Jesus showed up, it was the real thing for you and me to say, you know what, we can get over it too. You can get over that addiction. You can get over that bad marriage. You can get over that relationship. You can get over being a bad parent. You can get over these things. You can correct them. You can grind in a dry season to see how God wants to impact you for the mission and the glory of the kingdom of God. You can get over it. You can get over yourself. You can get over your selfish ambitions. You can get over comparing yourself to others. You can get over your dry season. You you can get over carrying dead weight because Jesus got up from the grave to give us the power to get over it as well. And so today, I pray that you've been able to get the courage to get over it. Because in this passage, God told Joshua on two occasions, he repeats this. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Because if you be strong and you be courageous, God said, I will be with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. And because God is with us, he's Emmanuel. God with us you can get over it.